Welcome to the Queer Movie Podcast, celebrating the best and worst in LGBTQ plus cinema, also still gaming, one glorious genre at a time. I'm Jazza John, and this is one of our special guest episodes. We continue to support the striking workers of SAG-AFTRA and the WGA, so we're still avoiding struck work. This episode, therefore, is something that we're doing slightly different, a twist on a classic format that we have. So instead of asking what movies made you queer, I'll be asking what games made you queer. And I can think of few more qualified to talk about queerness and gaming than my guest today, Molly, also known as the English Simmer. Say hello, Molly. Hello there. Hello there. <laughs> when I was writing this out, I realised that you should have an alter ego that is the sapphic Simmer, just because the alliteration is really pleasing to me. Oh, damn. If I had been out from the get-go, I know, it right? it would have been there. Go back and figure out that branding. So, Molly, I kind of use, and we at the Queer Movie Podcast, we kind of use queer as a bit of an umbrella kind of catch term but that's not necessarily always a way that people identify it's not always a a, a word that people use to describe themselves but what would you use to kind of like describe your identities and kind of like the way that intersects with your life as a gamer yeah I think I still like relate to queerness and queer as like that umbrella term for sure Mm -hmm. I've kind of had a journey of my sexuality that I'm sure most of us can kind of relate to. Definitely when I was questioning, held on to that heteronormativity of like, am I bisexual? And then over time just became more and more comfortable with the term lesbian and then was like, nope, that's me. I'm a lesbian. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, that's really how I identify. But queer queerness queer definitely brings up like community for me i think it's Mm -hmm. such like a term that i appreciate because of the community that i've built from finding myself and then finding others like me Mm -hmm. yeah i love that i really like queer because there it feels like there's power in that unity like it's all of the people who were othered for very similar reasons and why it ends up being called kind of like the the alphabet soup is because, well, we're figuring out that other people with other identities, we add them in because they've had similar experiences and because they've faced, not to get too deep, but like oppression and marginalization in kind of like similar ways. And mm-hmm. it's like, I almost think of it like the mean girls tables at lunch. Like it's, you can come and sit with us and this is the queer table. That's how I like, yeah. approach it. That's definitely <laughs> how it feels. It's It's a lot of fun. Yeah, 100%. So I've asked you today, Molly, to to come with a selection of games that made you queer. I'd love to first off kind of like understand why is gaming, as apart from it being your literal job, why was gaming so kind of like appealing to you as an art form and then kind of like, I guess, as, a, as an industry, as a streamer and a content creator? What is it about gaming that keeps you coming back to it? I always grew up with video games. So like my parents very much encouraged video games in our household. I had pretty much every single like Game Boy iteration that there was, Mm -hmm. which was very lucky, like back when I was growing up. 
but it kept me quiet in the back of the car. I was a big reader as well. So I think Mm -hmm. buying games that also like got my interest into reading really helped and my parents really appreciated that. And so, yeah, I, I, I was always a gamer. I have four older brothers who are always playing games and mm-hmm. they used to be like, we will only play with you if you don't cry about losing, which <laughs> when playing FIFA and stuff like that as like a six-year-old, that is very emotional. Molly, I did not see you as a FIFA girly. I was Let's super into go. football at the time. Okay, bend it like Beckham, definitely. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. that. I mean, that made me a little bit sapphic, to be honest, that movie. <laughs> So, yeah, just always a massive thing in my childhood. And then I had always played The Sims, which Mm -hmm. I'm sure we will very much get into. Mm -hmm. Um, And just kind of getting back into The Sims 3, I put it off for a really long time because I was such a Sims 2 fan at heart. And mm-hmm. so Sims 3 came out and I was like, I don't like this. This is so different. I'm not prepared to change. The Sims community not liking a new version of the game? What? Never heard say? of. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I actually finally did get back into it a few years down the line, I then discovered the YouTube element side of things and people recording Let's Plays and mm-hmm. basically creating soap operas in The Sims 3 and... I've always loved stories. I've loved storytelling characters. A lot of games that I play have very deep character lore. And Mm. I genuinely did not stop watching it for about two years. And then I discovered a community over on Twitter as well and was like, oh, this is really cool. I've always watched YouTube. I always wanted, like every kid, I think, growing up in that era, you like... Mm grew up watching vloggers and you were like well can't really vlog I go to school every day like there's nothing interesting going on in my life and I was like well I play the sims and I've played the sims since I was six years old I can very much sit behind a computer and play this game and talk to people and that's what got me uploading and yeah I've had some wild opportunities off the back of it I've Mm -hmm. flown to San Francisco with EA for the base game release of The Sims 4. I've attended mm-hmm. Gamescom mm-hmm. and throughout it really got to know like a lot of developers and just like the wider games industry and such inspiring people in the gaming industry. I really think mm-hmm. it is going through a phase where it's just booming consistently and then people are also bringing really interesting conversations to the table, like obviously like women in gaming and that movement and things like that. It's a really interesting world to be part of right Mm. now. I cannot believe all of the things that you have listed off there as the opportunities that you did. And you missed off the iconic moment (laughs) that was Sim Sparked. Uh, When I slammed right into that table. um, Jesus, I'd completely forgot. I'd completely forgot. (laughs) That meme, oh my God, that gif is iconic. I need to dig out and find it. I think it's still my header on Twitter. I think it's still there. Amazing, amazing. For anybody who doesn't know, Sims Sparked was basically, it was like The Sims did America's Next Top Model. Yeah, it was like the drag. It was like Drag Race. But drag Race Sims. for Simmers. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. I think it's still up as well. You can still watch it, and Official. I would greatly. Basically, you get to see Molly be the mother hen to absolutely everybody, while the whole production like crumbles around her. It's the uh... amount of times someone's come up to me and been like, "I recognize your face." And I have to be like, do you like The Sims? And they're like, oh my word, you were on The Sims Sparked. 
It's happened so many times. Amazing. I love that. So you you talked about singing in the back of the car, being shut up by games, playing competitively with your brothers. And I know that we're going to be talking about The Sims, so I want to dive in that now and Mm -hmm. how important that was for you. What was your first interaction with The Sims? So my brother bought it back from his friend's house. The original Sims Sims 1. Sims 1, no expansions. I think there were a couple, like maybe one or two expansions already out. I claim to be a Simmer since 2006. I don't know if that's actually the case. But I did play like base game for years before I got any of the expansions. Mm. And yeah, he brought it back. They had never touched it. They were really big gamers. They all used to play like World of Warcraft and Warhammer and things Mm. like that. And he was like, oh, like you're... your little sister like can play on the PC because we only had a PC at my dad's house. So I only Mm. really got to play it on the weekends because we didn't have one at my mum's. And so, yeah, it was kind of this special little treat where on the weekend I got to sit and play The Sims and I was never really into like, I'm going to sound like such a pick me right now, but I was never into like dolls or anything. Uh-huh. Like, I was into Polly Pockets. I'm not like other girls. Exactly. <laughs> like, I was a tomboy, and I very much prided myself on being a tomboy. Yeah. And so that was kind of, like, my dolls, I guess. It was, like, mm-hmm. my Barbie. It was very much, like, I want to create these little characters and build an epic house for them. And I used to sit and draw in my notebooks, like, houses that I was going to build in The Sims. And it kind mm-hmm. of just, like, took over my life, like... Every element of my life, like creating stories or drawing, like I was always doing something quite creative. And then The Mm -hmm. Sims kind of just encompassed all of that. And I was Mm. like, oh, this is something I can really like put so many hours in. Like I remember being sat up there and my parents would be like, dinner. And I'd be like, five more minutes. I have to look after my Sims because it was really hard to look after Sims in The Sims 1. Sure. Yeah. Especially yeah, yeah. They set like, themselves on fire really easily. Yeah. And a six-year-old, like the amount of times my babies got taken away because they were like forever oh, babies. Like traumatic. <laughs> so, yeah, I just really, really connected to it. So there were loads of different elements of The Sims. There is, I mean, many an interior designer's career has been started in the Sims build mode. Then there's kind of like the real like gamified version of The Sims where it's like getting achievements and optimizing Mm -hmm. and getting a career and all of those kinds of things. And there are other Sims creators who kind of like sometimes focus on those different things, whether it's, I mean, also like the character creation side of things and like styling and all of that kind of stuff. You, I feel like your content and most of your, the stuff that you make around The Sims is very, very heavily story driven. Mm -hmm. Like you're there creating narratives. How did that kind of, because I think that that is, that's the gay bit of The Sims. Yeah. Um, um, Like, uh, like woohooing, like I'm speaking from personal experience here, (laughs) getting, uh, creating my whole, the village that I grew up in, in The Sims and then woohooing all of the boys at school that I liked. Um, was basically, it really should have been the first thing that really flagged me up as as a future queer. What, was there anything kind of like similar for you? Was this sandbox ever a place for you to be able to experiment like that and to explore yourself like that? Yeah, I kind of always say it when I'm like discussing on things like this or like Q&As and things that I do. I wasn't ever really a kid who 
had like a lot of romantic interest to be mm-hmm. completely honest like i very and i think that definitely plays a role in like my queerness and stuff like that in the fact that i didn't really become fully comfortable with that side of myself until basically university and i never mm. really had any like i i assume that i had crushes but it never really felt like anything was going to happen like i never really wanted anything to happen i was just mm-hmm. like oh this this person's like cute and they make me laugh and i think it was very much like older people kind of putting that pressure on you as a kid mm-hmm. rather than like mm-hmm. me wanting to do that so i think playing the sims just sort of allowed me to play those roles away from myself like mm-hmm. i could very much just like create a character and then have them romance whoever and it was like there was definitely like elements of like oh my god bella goth is so pretty like let's break up her and her husband <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was more that for me i think rather mm-hmm. than I definitely feel like I created my crush once and then if they told me they didn't like me, I would like burn them in a fire, which I feel like everyone also went through. Like you My have to do God, that. Molly. I I I will be honest, I was woohooing. I was never burning my crushes alive because they didn't like me. Wow. <laughs> Sociopath alert. <laughs> it helped me get out a lot of emotion. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it healthy. Was therapeutic. It's like... It's like writing a letter that you never sent to them. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's just you're murdering them. Uh, the The Sims, I think, is really special for a load of queer people who are like, would you, you'd call yourself millennial, right? Yes. Oh, thank God. Don't you want to put this? But we, <laughs> we need to claim back some of that millennial pride. Millennials, I think, we were about, like back when we were playing like The Sims and The Sims 2, this really was one of the only places where we had control over narratives mm-hmm. and where therefore we'd be able to, we had the utility to actually make stuff gay. Mm-hmm. So from my understanding, The Sims was originally, like the, the ability to, to same-sex romance was actually a, a glitch, a yes. bug in the game. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, EA... Go ahead, you tell it. EA told them to remove it and then that memo didn't get passed down. And a programmer like worked on the social structures of the game, and then when they showed it off, I think it was at Gamescom or some mm-hmm. like. I think game it was E three. Yeah, they had two women Sims go off script, and they started like making out with each other, and then it just they assumed that it would cause like an uproar, and people would be like, "No, we don't want this in video games," but nothing ever came of it. So EA kind of just like backed off and were like. We'll let Maxis work on it. Like they can do what they want to do with it, and yeah, that's how it came about, and that's how it stayed. But mm-hmm. you could never, you could never get married in The Sims One as mm-hmm. a gay couple, and if you lived together but you were romantic, it would still, it would classify as historians would say they were roommates because that's what they were labeled in the game. Hey, I'm sure we'll talk about Animal Crossing later. <laughs> the amount of and they were they just lived together with their dog until yeah. the end of time. You've you've been lucky enough to be close with the developers of the Sims. How is there anything that you can share? I'm sure there's NDAs and stuff, but how aware is that company of the importance of this game to kind of like the LGBTQ plus community? And like, how do they like approach the way that they kind of like are trying to be inclusive like that? 
yeah they're so receptive to it and they they know that it really is like a pillar of the sims mm-hmm. community is the fact that queer kids play this game even before we really know ourselves and mm. like it's i've seen so many people relate to it as being a diary like they get to come home on their personal laptop and play this game and kind of create their own fantasies where they don't have to suffer through things in their day-to-day life and they can just kind of live in this utopia and be who they want to be and i think genuinely just seeing the updates that come to the game just kind of show that like the sims has grown with so many of us and it's definitely become more and more inclusive don't get me wrong there's a ton more things that they can do to make that inclusive but the fact that like I as a queer creator get to sit down and every pride month make a video about like every like every sexuality is a different room in the sims 4 mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the fact that they have pride flags in there like it's people are always like why are simmers going wild that there's like pride flags in the game and it's like but what other game is doing that like mm-hmm. what other game can you outwardly have a character define themselves as something so related to you mm-hmm. and is it is it true they have like top surgery scars yeah so they they introduce yeah. those within base game as well so yeah. again it's kind of that element of like it's can now... you imagine having to buy an upgrade to get your top surgery scars yeah, represented exactly. in the same i think they're probably a good shout it being in the base game yes but that's the thing as well like they're trying to make it as like accessible to people as possible so they mm. aren't putting those like payment barriers in place when mm. I assume people definitely could, but they. I think they know the reaction they would get and they realise how important The Sims is as a franchise to the community. What keeps you playing it? The Sims? I think yeah. just the fact that it is so sandboxed. Like, obviously, The Sims 4 is like nine years old now and we're still mm-hmm. talking about... Oh my like, God, is it nine? Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, it's nine at the beginning of the month, which is wild. And we're still talking about things they could add like things that would make the base game stronger like programming that they could do like i always preface that with like i'm not a game dev i don't know the ins and outs like i can sit here and be like oh it would be so easy to do this and then it definitely isn't but i think what makes me keep going back is just the fact that it is so sandbox and there are thousands of different stories that you can tell and people always say to me how do you keep playing like how have you done this for nine years and not really get bored of it to the fact where you're still making content and I think just being able to do a tons of different stuff and again it's that element of community like there's so many cool creations out there in the sims community of mm-hmm. challenges that people can do and people are constantly coming up with new ones and what was it the 100 baby challenge yeah but that was a thing baby that challenge was... black widow challenge mm-hmm. like there's someone's just created like a taylor swift legacy challenge because she's obviously oh, got wow. like 10 albums out now so each generation is like a different taylor swift album <laughs> so it's just like i think you can really play the game in whatever you find interesting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's what i love about it so interestingly, I think the next game that you, you've brought, the Life is Strange franchise, so I'm saying you brought it as if this is Desert Island Discs. <laughs> Let's listen to an extra next. If the I Life... was stranded on a desert island with mm. a PC, though, Life is Strange would definitely be one of the games I would bring. Amazing. That's very <laughs> good to know. So Life is Strange is 
kind of like the opposite of sandbox. It's very yes. narrative. It, it is like a purely narrative driven game. You're able to kind of like time travel and go back and like change things that have happened. But it's all branching narratives in mm. that game. Tell me, for those who don't know anything about Life is Strange and its sequels, what's kind of like the full one one? Give me the give me the TLDR of Life is Strange. Yeah, so they all have that like supernatural element of being given a power to use in some way to help with the choices that you make. And then mm-hmm. it's basically a like click and walk game. Like mm-hmm. you walk through different sets basically and click on different items. And the character will give dialogue and it will relate to the story. The first one was based around being in like the last few years of high school Mm. and being reunited with your childhood best friend who had just lost their best friend Mm -hmm. like at the time. And kind of the relationship and dynamic between those two and how to like find themselves as best friends again Mm -hmm. and those narrative i feel like the the thing that ties something like life is strange to the sims is that narrative depth and complexity that it has but it's really different because this narrative is one that you have much less control over you're experiencing it yeah you're in the driving seat but you're you're having the story told to you rather than you being able to kind of like ground up build yeah the even story. though like it's constantly like this action will have consequences realistically mm-hmm. at the end of the game there are two choices for you to make like there are two endings and once you've mm-hmm. seen them both you've kind of done it like that's mm-hmm. the game but mind you i've gone back and replayed that game so many times and i think mm-hmm. it's definitely for me the characters and it was the first time where I felt like I had connected so deeply with like a story-based game Mm -hmm. and just everything about it like I genuinely love those characters so much and people Mm -hmm. were like it's cringy like I was like it was written in 2012 13 Mm -hmm. like it was the time of tumblr like Mm -hmm. everyone was cringy like we were all using language that was very very cringy and Mm -hmm. teenagers like you would look back on yourself and be like why did i have that massive emo fringe that wasn't even cut into like an emo fringe and like Mm -hmm. taking Mm -hmm. top down like photos so i think it's it related to me as well because like i was in university at the time and I was kind of finding myself. And then this game came out and it was very much like a, oh, like, will they, won't they? Is there romantic mm-hmm. things here? Is there not? Are they just friends? And it was kind of my first experience playing a game that was so accurate to like mm-hmm. women loving women pining of like, mm-hmm. she's my best friend, but also like, what if we took this a step further? And it mm-hmm. was... It just struck a chord with me. So this is like the potential romance you can have between, is it Max and Chloe? Yeah. In the first game. Did you know that it was going to be gay going into it? No. Um, I, oh. I had oh, followed. Oh, fuck. That's cool. Yeah. Like I... I had followed development really closely. Like that was the thing as well. Like I was in love with the art style and I loved mm. kind of the the basis of that game like it was so pretty to me as a video game mm-hmm. and so i had like picked up magazines whenever i had seen like a little life is strange in like gaming magazines i'd be like oh okay like they, they're talking about it like let's pick it up and read it and yeah it was something that i followed so closely but 
I feel like there was never any like selling of it being like LGBTQ plus focus. Like I feel mm-hmm. as if it was very much just like here's an indie game that mm. looks really pretty. And what was it like kind of like maybe not maybe surprise isn't the right word but what was it like kind of seeing those potential moments between those two characters where it's like oh you could go down this route what was it like seeing that because this is the wonderful thing about games is that you get to do the thing you're not just reading about somebody doing it and you're not just watching somebody do it you get to have that agency and make that decision what was it like being given that decision that choice for the first time it was scary because I think that's why it was such like a personal thing to me because I was going through those feelings at that time Mm -hmm. in my life like I was in university and I knew I started to figure out very much that I was attracted to women and so getting to be in the steering wheel on like a YouTube channel where people knew that I was excited for this game and people Mm -hmm. were like watching because I was so passionate about it Mm -hmm. and then being in the driver's seat of like, well, I'm not out yet. So like, how do I play this in a sense where I'm going through all of these feelings Mm -hmm. and then trying not to show people that also I am going through all of these feelings? When you um, were doing it, you were, it was, were you just doing Let's Play upload yeah. episodes so rather than streaming it? I don't even think at that point I had face cam like in my videos. Uh-huh. So that made it a little bit easier because I am assuming mm. if I had like full face cam, people would have been like, well, the gay panic <laughs> on your face. Because uh, it was absolutely that. And then in the, in the like prequel or like before the storm, I very much played up to it. I like, gay alarm bells ringing like here there and everywhere because I was out by that point and I was like I'm gonna butter this up like I'm gonna basically edit this the way that I would have if I was out at the time of playing Mm. the first one so yeah it was just really weird to have those feelings in real life and then also see them reflected back to me in a video game Hello everyone, bear with me one sec while I give you the ad read for this episode. We are today brought to you in part with the support of Ravensburger. Indulge in the timeless pleasure of assembling Ravensburger's extraordinary jigsaw puzzles. Ravensburger's premium quality puzzles are crafted with meticulous attention to detail, bringing you an unparalleled puzzle solving experience. With a rich heritage dating back to 1883, Ravensburger puzzles have become an integral part of families' lives across generations. Share the joy of puzzling with family and friends, knowing that your cherished puzzles will stand the test of time. Why not enjoy a mindful moment and immerse yourself in a world of captivating colours, stunning imagery and intricate designs that will delight people of all ages. Regardless of your preference or skill level, you'll find a jigsaw puzzle that suits you perfectly. Thanks to the wide range of imagery, themes and piece counts available, you can start super super small, something really accessible and then work your way up to over 40,000 pieces, which to me sounds absolutely bananas. If you are up for the challenge, why don't you just drop by Ravensburger on Amazon today? We also continue to be supported 
by Squarespace. You've heard us rabbit on about how we love using Squarespace for our website curation, giving us access to analytics, the creation of email campaigns, because who knows what we're doing these days, and connecting all of our social media presence in one place, because, oh, it's getting complicated. What's threads? Who knows? The design (laughs) features really do make everything way more accessible. You don't need to know a stitch of coding, and you can get all of your beautiful text and images aligned to become the greatest website ever known to humankind. We know you hear a lot of your favorite media offering discount codes for Squarespace, and it would really help us if you chose to use ours when you pop out to the digital shops and try and buy yourself a website. So all you have to do is go to squarespace.com queermovie, and when you're all set up to make your digital dreams come true, you can use the offer code queermovie, that's one word, to save 10 percentage points off your first purchase of a website or domain. Just go to squarespace.com slash queermovie. Now, thank you very much. Back to the show. I don't think there's really any games that do this for kind of like my sexuality. That Like like my big go-to game, my like the thing that got me into gaming was Final Fantasy X. And yeah. I will religiously play that like every couple of years. I'll go back and play the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, I think it's and... nice just to remind yourself of like how you were feeling when you first played it yeah 100 percent. it's like i regress back into like an 11 12 year old like it's <laughs> it's wonderful and i but i get that with some of the movies that i watched in like the late 90s and early 2000s mm. where i remember like i was staying at this cottage with family like we were staying there and they had a copy of brookback mountain and i remember stealing it and Not then the voice going in your that's <laughs> it Still going through puberty in my 30s. <laughs> I remember stealing it and then sneaking down at like two o'clock in the morning to watch it on like oh. really low thing. And now, even though like I love Brookback Mountain, I don't apologize for that. But there's bits of it that haven't aged particularly yeah. well. Have you gone back and played Life is Strange since that first playthrough that you've had? And what's that like? Kind of like looking at it from more mature after you've become like more sure of yourself and your identity. Yeah, I definitely have. I like I I used to stream it quite frequently. I did like an unpopular choices run and things like that. Like that's that <laughs> thing with it. Like there's definitely a, a few different things you can do to switch up. But I think just yeah, being reminded of how you felt when you were playing it and why those characters were so like pivotal to me in the moment is such a nice feeling. I've not played it recently. I will hold my hands up and say like I mm-hmm. played True Colors most recently which is the newest one so i don't really know how it's aged like i've i need to i'll probably go back and play it it's very like autumn mm-hmm. themed game for me as well so it kind of uh-huh. like that. well here we go yeah, yeah. exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. so pumpkin spice lattes are out <laughs> in four but yeah i just i just love they are my comfort characters like those two and rachel from before the storm as well like I I would say those three characters are like such comfort characters in my brain just because of mm-hmm. how validated they made me feel what was it like building an audience around that experience as well? Like you said that you like you were lucky that you didn't have the the face cam on because of the gay people would have been like, oh my god, the gay panic. But you would have seen people kind of like reacting to it in your comments and kind of like maybe not necessarily about you, but like also experiencing this game for the first time via your playthrough. Yeah. What's it like building that audience around kind of like such a specific experience like that? It's incredible. Like I've known so many people come in, even to my streams to this day of 
like I'm playing through Life is Strange for the first mm. time and I'm like oh I'm so jealous you get to like experience it yourself like they've mm. watched my playthrough and been like oh the way that you because it's weird with games like that like obviously they are very much telling a story but I think you as the person hosting it can also like throw your personality into it and you can give like little tidbits and you're also kind of putting your own spin on the story and I think that's what's really interesting about those types of games is everyone's experience is so so different like not everyone would have had the experience that I had and seeing people then come in and be like you actually really made that game like much more approachable to me or like I didn't know it existed until like mm. you played it and then them getting to experience that and maybe have the same feelings as me is just incredible like it's mm -hmm. it feels like such an opportunity and I will never ever get over the fact that I get to like introduce people to maybe what is gonna become their favorite game I love that that's really cool what is the next game that you would like to bring to this I don't know this desert island <laughs> I feel like we we've already mentioned Animal Crossing so I think mm -hmm. we should do do a deep dive. It was, let's not lie, it was a massive part of all of our lives throughout the pandemic. It was, it's a, it, for me, it, it's a lockdown game. I will be honest, I've never played it. No ways. So I've watched, I've watched you play it okay. and I've watched a lot of streamers play oh, it. Oh, so like even to this day you haven't played it? Even to this day I haven't played it. Oh, wow. Um, But I know like, like loads of like the meme, like it's just on my periphery a lot. Like yeah. on, when I was back when I was on Twitter, like all of the Tom Nook memes being a, cap a filthy capitalist kind yeah. of vibes. But give me, give me the rundown of Animal Crossing. What is the vibe? What are you doing? And... Why? Why is it gay? Because I, I, okay. I don't know why it is, but it's clearly gay. We love it. So yeah, the rundown. Basically, like every other simulation that isn't The Sims. Basically, like every simulation game you can think of, you get plopped down in a town, and there's a mayor apparently, but you basically become the mayor, and mm -hmm. you have to do everything for everyone. I don't know how they survived in this place before mm -hmm. I got there because mm -hmm. it's not functional. Like I have seen a few of your playthroughs, and all of is like, why is why is everyone else getting the credit for all of the hard work that yeah, I've done? It's so infuriating, but I love them. I don't think I ever played the first one because I think that was on GameCube, and then mm. I only. Oh really... my god! Yeah, the GameCube. Wow. Good old GameCube. And mm -hmm. so I think I got into it. I can't see, I can't even remember like the franchise names, which is really bad. But the first one that was on the Game Boy is the one mm -hmm. that I got into, which I think mm -hmm. was maybe Wild World. And basically, you are the only human in a land filled with little animal critters. Oh, I was going to say full of furries. But uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll call yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. The amount of times I have told Shino to step on me since she was introduced <laughs> as a character has been unreal. Like the amount of Twitch streams I was trying to find that villager and our chant to find her was step on me, Shino. <laughs> have you seen wow. her? She's like incredible. I'm going to Google her She's now. She's an icon. Let me try and find it because I have... I didn't realize how many villagers there are. Oh um, yeah, and like the roster gets bigger and bigger like every single time. Is it? Is it Shino? Yeah, it, it, like Shino. 
Shino, like a little horned kind of like a goat thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a deer. Okay, cool. <laughs> oh, in a cute like little kimono dress. She's an icon. And you were asking her to step on you. That's really lovely. You know um, what? It was very dangerous of us to Google that because you never, ever know what fan art of Animal Crossing villages you are going to come across. <laughs> oh, no, you've made me really scared now. Um, <laughs> as long as it wasn't Tumblr, I feel like you're all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're safe. We're safe. So a lot, of, a lot of Animal Crossing is like curation. And well, the the kind of like the core of the game is like doing your chores, like and being able to kind of like do the chores that you have to do every single day, right? Yeah. That was the thing, especially the... during lockdown, that people would come back for. And then gaining like the ability to get new items and to kind of like craft your home and craft your island and invite villagers to be on your island and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Some of your Let's Play is very deliberately trying to make the gayest island ever. How the hell do you make the gayest island possible in... You go for the gayest possible villagers, Uh such as magical unicorn Julian, who will always Uh be a legend. Yeah, I've I've seen the Julian memes. That's the (laughs) thing. It just feels so camp, and it's incredible. Like... Oh, I love that. Yeah. So you're there trying to invite all of these camp villagers to their to your place. You're kind of like you're having beef with some of them. There's like drama sometimes. Oh, I yeah. feel like all one of, of the jocks. No, unless they're <laughs> like a feminine jock, then you mm-hmm. can get away with it. Fem jocks are okay. I feel like one of the really queer elements of it, and it's also another thing that I cannot put my finger on why it's queer, but it is the interior decorating. And like crafting your own space. And I feel like a lot of that is very similar to some of the stuff that we were talking about with The Sims, right? Like your ability to create that cozy environment around yourself that is kind of like a padding from the outside world. Mm -hmm. And when you were talking about how people were coming home and like playing The Sims as like an ability to escape a little bit and maybe find a little bit of control and interesting stuff in their lives. I feel like that was what, Animal Crossing was for people in lockdown, especially when the world was literally falling apart. People turned to this game as like this welcoming, cozy, self-curate place where you could like curate your own safe space. Just felt like a warm hug to Mm -hmm. run to and be like, hey, this is the one thing right now that I can control. This is like Mm -hmm. the one thing that I still, as weird as it sounds, because it's such a cartoony like animal filled world is this is where i can still socialize with people even if they're just saying dialect that i've heard before this is where i can go out and like fish or go shopping still and it was kind of all those elements of things that were kind of stripped away from us in the pandemic Mm. and then i feel like obviously from a like quite privileged perspective it very much like I could stay up quite late and I could play with my niece and we played this game together that we were playing as kids and we got to stay up till like 5 a.m to find a specific beetle that we needed to fill our museums and it was Mm -hmm. it was really that time of like reconnecting and I feel like kind of reverting back to childhood it was a very like healing game for a lot Mm. of people in Mm -hmm. a time where it did feel like the world was falling apart on your channel like i i think you you've done like other playthroughs like you're you're the english simmer for christ's sake like you're 
your sims heavy but i feel like the stuff that you were doing around animal crossing was really kind of like you really lent into that what was it about it that kind of like connected with the community that you had around your youtube channel and your twitch streams i think it's because so many people were playing it like Mm. a lot of my community work in jobs where they are like forward facing to the public and so obviously like a lot of that got shut down and people got furloughed and people had this chance to game in a way that they hadn't been able to since they were kids and Mm -hmm. everyone was kind of playing it together and people were like oh do you want to come check out my island like i have this really cool thing in my like able sisters i have this really cool piece of clothing that i know you don't have because obviously Mm -hmm. i was streaming it like twice a week and that was the thing as well like people kind of got to see i mean my island still isn't finished i flattened it like probably after the pandemic and was like why did i do that because now (laughs) i don't know what to do and it's just very overwhelming but yeah people saw me like progress through it and we were all playing it together even though we weren't on a voice chat and we Mm. weren't like in the same room it all just felt like we were doing it together Mm -hmm. and we were all switching different things and helping people out with like their collections and stuff like that and it just felt so nice to connect with people in that way over Mm. a game especially because the sims with it being so like nine years is such a long lifespan for a game like i feel like i've done everything there is to do in the sims 4 Mm -hmm. so like even though i can go back to it and start a new game and try and switch things up animal crossing was such a welcome relief of feeling that shock of a new game yeah and really having that excitement for it it's a social game in the way that the sims and life is strange aren't as well like it's 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 partially online you get to go and visit other people's islands. You get to like stay up, like you said, and, and try and get like a particular item or artifact or whatever it is. Is that social experience like queer in the way that you kind of like interact with folks of being able to come like, bring them over and show you everything and stuff like that? I'm thinking about also like the ability to create that safe space for your folks in kind of like the way that your streams and your your YouTube channel is as well. Yeah, I think the like fashion design element kind of helped with that as well because you can kind of come up with like any patterns you want. Mm. So I remember going over to like people's islands and they just have like their town flag either being like the rainbow flag or yeah, like it was something, it was a way and people were creating little like flag jumpers in their able sisters and just having like a full wall of like mm-hmm. rainbow jumpers and then seeing which character would wear which outfit and be like okay they've chosen their label (laughs) it was Mm -hmm. just it was such a fun element to see that kind of thing and that was all done online as well like people would upload their fashion and things like that and you could download it and apply it to your island and i think just with it weirdly having that like unwritten rule of it being a very queer game like people Mm -hmm. kind of just flock to it which made it especially in my community i have developed a really sick community on twitch where people feel very like safe and Mm -hmm. are able like i still get comments to this day of like i don't really chat in anybody else's stream like i kind of just lurk but Mm. here and it was really through animal crossing where I found such a core audience on Twitch. 
like mm-hmm. it brought in a lot of new people to my community but i think because i was kind of doing it in like that jokey way of like the gayest island ever yeah, and i was yeah, promoting yeah, yeah. it in that way that people were like oh this is the kind of stuff i want to see like mm-hmm. <laughs> in this game that i have an interest in and it allowed people to like connect with others and kind of like choose which pronouns they wanted to go by in my chat and like explore themselves because it is just a username at the end of the day like Mm. i've known people go through like name changes in my chat which is so like i'm so lucky that i found those people and Mm. that they feel like they have that space online to do that Mm -hmm. yeah i love that auntie molly (laughs) i'm here like i'll i'll take all the hooks what other game do you want to bring? This is now Desert Island Discs. What other game do you want to bring um, Let's do Pokemon. to the island with Pokemon you? Pokemon was a huge franchise all Got throughout to childhood. catch them all, exactly. baby. Yeah. Did you ever do the Poker app? No, I don't think I could ever. Gotta catch them all, gotta catch them all. I know, but gotta... do you know, do there you was know a, the order? There was, a t- there, was a, there was a time when I could have, and oh it is not, not anymore. I will anymore. hold my hands up and say I had a Pokemon-themed bedroom. So my dad painted my walls in different layers. So we had, like, mm-hmm. yellow on the bottom for sand. Then we had this, like, decal of all the tunnels of the cave system. Oh. And That's then we had cool. blue for the sky and then decals of all the Pokemon, like stickers. And we had them all up on my walls. It was so cool. I wish I could find a photo of it because I oh. feel like people don't believe me when I say I was such a Pokemon kid. But I have like oh. photos of me wearing Pokemon t-shirts, like, you know, those cheap t-shirts that you bought from like Mallorca with the fake Pikachu on. Oh, gay gasp. I And adore then like that. dressed up as Ash, like the amount of years I went with wearing fingerless gloves because of Ash. Mm-hmm. Like I used oh to my God. dress up as him. Like even though like Misty was like an option there, I was like, no, I want to be Ash. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> Very important question. Um, uh, Bulbasaur Charmander Squirtle, who's your starter? I feel like I changed all the time. I feel like originally I probably went with Charmander. I feel Mm -hmm. like I went with Charmander. But now I feel like I would choose Bulbasaur every time. Good. Correct. Yep. You've passed the test. Well done. (laughs) First Pokemon, best Pokemon. Literally number one in the Pokedex. I I will die for my Bulba baby. I love Bulbasaur so much. I adore Such a little cutie. Bagatsack. What is it? So you you were talking about how kind of like the avatar that you play as in the mm-hmm. first couple of games is male coded, but kind of like still because it's meant to be a ten year old, it's still kind of like not necessarily hugely gendered and relatively easy for you to kind of like project yeah. whatever you want onto it. And then the first time that they had the ability for you to choose between a boy and a girl, I think was actually um, it was uh, like Crystal. Crystal, yeah, but I never played Crystal. Never played. I also never played Crystal. <laughs> Suicune was a really weird choice of box art. It's it was the worst of the legendary beasts. Yeah, and I don't really understand why they did that. But then it became kind of like a mainstay of the franchise in Generation Three. So the Ruby and Sapphire. Yeah. My fave. Uh, my fave Ruby. So tell me about how that kind of like the ability to represent yourself like more accurately in the game. What was that like having played Pokemon before and then like diving into Ruby and Sapphire? Yeah, I think I was so shocked. Like I didn't even know like what to do for like the first half an hour of that game. I was like, what? 
they're actually mm-hmm. giving us the option to be a girl like mm-hmm. and it was very much that like traditional pokemon thing of the girl has long hair and that's pretty much the only thing that changes about like the character sure. yeah. well like it was more in depth when you were choosing but then when you actually got into it like at the end of the day they were still just like a blob on the screen yeah it was like a tiny like pixel art thing but i think what happened is i chose girl and then like half an hour into it like once you actually met your oh my god what are they called like the person you're Uh, gonna fight against your rival yeah once you met your rival it Uh went off the opposite gender so it was a boy and then Mm -hmm. i was like no wait i think i want my rival to be the girl because i think before that point they were all male as well so I was like, yeah. shut down the game, restart, new game. And I went back to being a boy because I was like, I really, really want the rival to be the girl. Because I think yeah, like she had like lines, like she had like, not voice lines because it's not voice, but it was the first time that like a girl had played such a big role in a Pokemon game that I was like, mm-hmm. this is really cool that you get to see this. And I think I wanted that experience more. I basically just wanted to crush on my rival, which yeah, one hundred percent. I was I I, I I didn't want to force that out of you, so thank you so much for for admitting that to me. Do you think that that like obviously it had that huge change in the way that you played the game because you literally shut down your game and started all over again? <laughs> Did it change any other ways that you interacted with the game at all? I think I genuinely, like, that was definitely, like, Ruby for sure was the fastest I had ever got through a Pokemon game. Like, I was truly just obsessed with it. Like, I mm. used to play it day in, day out. Like, I would, because it was, was it the XP that it was on? Like, or, I think it was. Was it just the Advance? I don't know. I can't remember. I definitely played it on the advance. Like it was the the wider the yeah. wider Game Boy kind of like a your hand on both sides. Yeah. So I literally just used to play it like sat at the dinner table. Like, and my parents were very cool about it. Like, if we were out in a restaurant or something, I guess it's kind of like the iPad Kid generation. Like nowadays, sure. like they were very much like, no, you know what? Like, she's fine like she's mm-hmm. still partaking in conversation and she can she's just grinding if she wants yeah. to like there's she's I, just grinding her lavatar so exactly. that it can evolve exactly i like was it's... just developing an even bigger crush on my rival like what can yeah. i say but yeah i i genuinely think it was like the pokemon game that and i really didn't like play much after that cuz i was just like i don't want to like move it was kind of that same sims 2 thing of like i don't want to move away from this game just yet and i replayed mm-hmm. it like over and over again cuz i just genuinely loved it so much mm-hmm. and i guess at the time i didn't really know like it was probably because of like the rival situation and like having that option but i guess looking back on it it probably was like a time where I was like, oh, like my favorite franchise. I obviously you had like the anime that had like mm-hmm. Misty and stuff, and like I loved Misty. Like I thought she was so cool. But, she is the best character, yeah. best best character development in the game. It was like the first time I felt represented. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Also, I I really adore that you turned Pokemon into a romance sim. Oh yeah. Um. <laughs> it, honestly, if they allowed. <laughs> a romance in pokemon i would be like game of the year hey molly's got a brand she's sticking to it i, uh, I yeah 
Give me any romance wall. You know what? It's probably why I play so many cozy farming sims because they're all just mm. like, yeah, we know you want it. So here are all the attractive villages that you can romance if you want to. I I adore that. I feel like Pokemon as well is one of those like more kind of like Animal Crossing where it's like a more stealthy mm-hmm. like queerness to the game. And I I wonder, like I feel like you unlocked something for me by describing like a load of the dialogue and a load of the characters in Animal Crossing as being really camp. Like I've never really kind of like noticed that before. And all I'm thinking of now for Pokemon is like these, inf- especially in like Gen 1 and 2, like Team Rocket being yes. this high, th- being this high camp, kind of like storylines and dialogue and characters and like that ridiculousness and that, like we don't even need to talk about the anime with jesse and james my god queer I icons so much. i the true stars of early noughties anime always um, the villains as well yeah yeah exactly we love it we love we, we stand a villain do you think there's anything because i think there is do you think there's anything about the the actual kind of like pokemon themselves that lends itself to that the queerness and stuff like oh yeah. for sure like i will yeah. sit and watch like tiktok upon tiktok of like the gayest pokemon lists and mm-hmm. again it's and like, it's matt choke yeah yeah it's <laughs> like it's like there's so many like designs that it's like disney characters for example like when you look back mm-hmm. at them you're like hmm like i understand what this was when i was a kid like and yeah, 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 yeah. it's that design element to them of relating them to you in a way and obviously like as a kid i probably didn't see that as much but now as like a grown adult who is very much like entrenched in the queer community it's Mm -hmm. really cool to see those like parallels and like how many queer people like now relate to pokemon and be like oh yeah that makes sense like that Mm -hmm. that clicked yeah i think i don't know how much of it is well i think so much of Pokemon oh it's literally the biggest franchise that has ever existed Mm -hmm. and so it touched so many of our lives and therefore we have like a lot of as we were kind of like coming of age and growing up we have a lot of these memories that are tied up with like maybe god remember link cables I think destroy wi-fi and just bring back those link cables so that you can battle each other like, or the little lights that you had to attach to like the top of your game boy to like play at night I found yes oh my god because they didn't have backlight yeah and it just like plugged into the USB yeah and you'd like wow yeah I hadn't thought about that in a very long time I Um, found my like full bag of like old Game Boys and like accessories the other day I my mum keeps on trying to throw away my purple Game Boy Color that I played all of the like Gen 1 and 2 Pokemon games on and I swear it's I'm batting it out of her hands constantly because it's such a nostalgic moment for me it's like i dropped it once and it has like this little crack in the top right of the screen and i know it... i'm so sad i can't find my color oh bro, i'm so sorry so sad. um but yeah i think that there's this we get to go back and like look at these really important like pillars of our childhood and are then able to kind of like retroactively queer them yeah. a little bit like whether that's like who are the who are the sexiest Pokemon and that kind of silliness or like revisiting Jesse and James as the central characters of the anime and those kinds of things. Misty being kind of like one of the first tomboyish like cartoon characters that I remember ever yeah, seeing as well. That's why I absolutely loved her. Like mm-hmm. again, she kind of felt that like 
representation of me of like someone obsessed with Pokemon and then also like dressing in such a cool way and again she didn't really have like they tried to do the romance arc didn't they with like Brock and then she was kind of like mm, like yeah no and that um, felt very relatable mm, oh interesting and then she goes back like there's the the spin-off what, it, what was it called like Pokemon Origins or something there was a spin-off anime and Misty gets her own like special episode where she's the, it's just her as the leader of Cerulean Gym. I and I've watched that, but now I need Oh my to. God, I will find it. I will, I think it's still <laughs> on YouTube. And she's just like this iconic badass, like head of the family. Her sisters are just kind of like pissing around doing nothing because obviously they only have a Goldeen. It's, she's, oh, she's fantastic. There's a queer yeah. icon. There's Goldeen. a queer. <laughs> Goldeen, Goldeen. I will, given, <laughs> given any opportunity, I will do the Pokemon voice. Absolutely love Goldeen. Thank you. Sad time. Thank you so much. I've had so much fun. Oh, same. I I always say it, but any opportunity that I get to talk about my favorite games, I'm like, yes. 100%. Let me Hell yeah. for like two hours. Amazing. Thank you very much for coming. Where can people find you on the internet? YouTube.com slash The English Simmer. Twitch.tv slash English Simmer. I am still using Twitter, uh, so twitter.com slash English um, Sorry, it's X now. Can oh, you not dead yeah. name Twitter, please? True. Thank you. I still type Twitter in every single time. Don't think I've um, ever typed X in. I am famously banned from Twitter because I am oh, impersonating yeah. Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very funny, but also really sad because now I get actual FOMO whenever there's like Bake Off is on and I want to live tweet it. Oh, yeah, true. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we. When was I talking about that? Twitter, it exists. Yes. Um, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Molly, for coming. Everyone, that's it for another episode of the Queer Movie Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast so that you are primed for our next episode that drops in your podcast app of choice. And if you like what you hear, please consider supporting us on Patreon. We are an independent podcast now and are more reliant on your generous donations than we ever have been. Offers and perks include a monthly queer watch-along and access to our Discord, where there's a really lovely community of a few hundred, a few hundred gays who we hang out with every now and again. You can also follow the podcast on X and Instagram. Just Queer Movie Pod for some behind-the-scenes content when we remember to do that. Okay, bye!